Play analysis, Devin Nash be on the mic, so you know it's hella lit. Better plug your headphones in on Apple Podcasts, and we up on Spotify. Ooh, on Anchor too, no parachute, we so fly. We talking sports and music, what's the newest in that culture? Better stream, yeah, you better tune in. It ain't gonna cost ya. We talking sports and music, what's the newest? Got exclusives, yeah, we do this play by play. Follow the page, eh? If you don't know, don't worry about it. Welcome back, everybody. What is happening? It's another edition of Play by Play Analysis Podcast. It's your boy Devin Ash, PSK Play by Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. And we got a new guest. It's a first time guest in the building. You know, um, ESPN. We're out here. It's a lot of us out here. You know, all the all the behind the scenes people that make everything work. You know, this is another one of my friends right here, my guy. And I forgot to ask him how to pronounce his last name, but it's Jurgen is his first name. So. <laughs> You know, uh, to introduce Tony, yourself. Tony is, Tony is the last name, but, you know, you don't really need to worry too much about that. I think it'll just be Jurgen of Jurgen throughout the majority of the program. But uh, I'm happy to be on, brother. I'm happy to be on. I remember when you told me about this because I told you about my podcast that I do so often. And when you told me that you had your own, first off, we worked, we worked for nine months at the same uh, building. So I was like, how did I never hear about this before? Right. And now to be on, I'm very excited to be on. Right. You know, we got to keep it under wraps because everybody can't be, you know, knowing about it because then you start getting haters and then people try to get it shut down and then you know it's not a lot of stuff i say on here that's safe for the workplace that's the other thing but this show is not going to be like that we're all the way i mean you know we'll we'll try uh but yeah the reason jerking is here is because we you know being at work we do everything except actually work so we were just (laughs) sitting around talking about random scenarios in sports of like what could happen if and so we decided to do a show just kind of based on what ifs you know things that could have happened in sports history so you know it's it's a lot of what ifs it's, it's some that you probably are already familiar with some of you guys are gonna have heard these questions before but then there's some other ones we may throw at you that you have no idea um yeah, we may have another guest later, but we'll we'll see. It, time depending. Let's see what he's actually. Look, this is him right here. He said, "You can really? start." My fault. All it's right, and we already did. All right, let's go. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so we gonna kick it get, off. Get get his butt here. <laughs> he's coming. No, no, he's coming. He's coming. Our our All guy's right. coming. But let me let me send him a little thing. Follow up real quick. Of course, of course. To, to, to add to your point, that when you were talking about the what ifs and like you, you're the, the joke about we we do a lot of things at work except actually work. Like this, the idea for this for myself and our soon to be on here guest eventually. You know, I'm gonna kick him tomorrow when I see him for being late. Um, <laughs> the idea for this stemmed from a what if that the three of us talked about extensively, and it's gonna be one of the what ifs that we give a little bit of detail here. But like NBA, just NBA alone, right? so many what ifs so many entertaining what ifs that like and this isn't hyperbole would have changed the course of franchises for minimum like three four five year periods right so that's why we're here so we're gonna kind of jump into it so i guess we're going to start out with i guess a handful of easy ones i guess the way we're going to do this is we're going 
each give one at a time. So like you give your first one and then we talk about it. I get my first one. We talk, like, so, you know, kind of just yeah. to keep the ball rolling. So, you know, being the guest, you know, guests go first. Your biggest what if in sports, whether it's NBA, NFL, anything. Oh, man. Or maybe not biggest, but like a, a what if. Yeah. That I, get, I get what you stands mean. Out I, to you. I guess. I I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably hurting a couple people here. <laughs> mm. I'm probably hurting a, co- a couple people here with this one. But because I, I want to be a little bit unique on this one because I know we're going to get plenty of NBA ones, I feel. Uh, my ultimate what if. Not ultimate what if, but a big what if that I have when it comes to NFL is what if the Seattle Seahawks had decided to run it with Marshawn at the goal line? You know, that was on my list, too. That's the thing. We're, we, some of these are going to overlap because we all, yeah. you know, watch the same thing. But it's just it's a huge idea. But what do you think happens in that scenario? If, if, if in a perfect alternate universe, because it would have been perfect because I was rooting for Seattle. What happens if that happens? What do you think happens? So I think ultimately what would happen is that we wouldn't have had what happened years later. I know that's a lot of like worries there, but I don't think Russell Wilson would have ever left Seattle because assuming that Marshawn eventually, and I mean, they had multiple downs to do it. I think it was what second down when they decided to make that play, if I'm not mistaken, it was like Marshawn running it in, scoring the touchdown, uh, you know, you know, evil magic aside from the Patriots that they could have somehow pulled out. It would have been back-to-back Super Bowls for the Seahawks. So you would have had the first back-to-back champions in the NFL in about a decade, I want to say, at that point. Since the Patriots? And yeah, since the Patriots themselves. Um, after that, I think that the legacy of Russ being there, and as we saw what happened after, his level of play, the fact that there are two Super Bowls, I know things kind of broke down recently, and that's maybe more so what it has to do, but I think a second Super Bowl calms tensions more so. Because what, what do we always say, that like, even behind the scenes when it comes to sport, winning cures all. And it does. I think if you have two championships there, I think it mitigates a lot of things, not just between Russ and other people, but I think that that core, like their whole big deal was they thought that that decision cost them a chance for more more appearances down the line. And I think if you have a second Super Bowl there, it placates Earl Thomas, it placates Richard Sherman. Uh, I can't do anything about some of the injuries those guys had, like Cliff Averill and Cam Chancellor. I don't think it would have made a difference there because their cases are way more unfortunate. But I think, like, to the first two guys I mentioned, it, it would have been easier to massage things if you got that second ring there, which is, like, I think when we eventually have the big round table of the Seahawks, you know, years down the line, like, I think those guys are going to bring that up that point that they felt that they feel they should have that at least a second ring uh, in their trophy case. Richard Sherman hasn't let it go for ten years. Like I mean, he still be taking shots at Russ. Like it's 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 been a decade, Rich. Like I get it, bro. I get it. I understand it. And maybe there's some other stuff because I think winning normally would cure all, but in a locker room with that many personalities including some that we're learning about later, like Russ, like apparently he's more of a douchebag than a lot of us might have initially believed. He's not just a cornball. He happens to be a douchebag as well. We're, we're going to get into that. But, like, yeah, um, they at least would have been able to hide it better. Like, you, you could tell just from the moment. I mean, Richard Sherman didn't rock with Russ. He didn't rock with Pete Carroll for the longest time afterwards. Earl Thomas and the whole middle finger thing. You know, and a lot of those dudes, the other thing, like one of my friends said on my podcast, his podcast as well, but on mine as well, um, that Seattle accomplished like every NFL owner's dream. You won a Super Bowl 
with no max contracts. Like everybody was on rookie deals essentially, and then a handful of guys who were like on like I guess quote unquote veteran yeah. minimums, and and essentially is what they were. Like it, it's basically that like, may never happen again. I remember, from what I remember on that team, the big contracts I want to say were probably Sidney Rice was one of Sidney <laughs> Rice, Percy Harvin. Uh, those two, but more realistically, in terms of players that actually contributed for a full season, like uh, Michael Bennett was on that defensive line, and Cliff Avril, like they, they were the two free agent acquisitions. Like I think Richard Sherman, I think the year of that second Super Bowl was probably the last year of his rookie deal, or maybe the first year of his big contract. You have Earl Thomas, Chancellor, and Russ was still on his rookie deal. Like you mentioned, it they won a Super Bowl with you know before everyone had to get paid. Imagine they have two there. That that would have been the perfect definition of the formula, and maybe even impacts more so what we see now in the NFL of you know teams be, being willing to reset the cap hits every single time on positions like it, it, the Seahawks. The quarterback position, as we know it, yeah. the money that they're making now probably does not happen. Actually, no, it might happen more depending on the owner. But like Russell Wilson could have single handedly reshaped the quarterback market as we know it by himself if he does not throw that interception. If he throws that interception, which he did, he threw the interception. When he threw the interception, it's like, oh, no, fuck it, whatever. But if he doesn't throw it, it would have been even more crazy. I feel like as bad as it is now, it would have came a lot quicker because I feel like it it was going to come eventually, but I feel like he would have sped the process up if he throws throws a touchdown pass there. You know. But... Yeah, so that there's that. I mean, we, we missed the chance of a dynasty in the making. And then, like you said, all the injuries, you know, of course, Earl Thomas getting caught red-handed by his wife. Um, he, well, he was with the Ravens by then. But, you know, Marshawn Lynch could have been Super Bowl MVP in theory, maybe, you know, in that. like. That, but, but the other thing, too, I think a lot of people tend to forget. It doesn't come down to that if y'all would have held on to a 24-14 lead that y'all had going into the fourth quarter of Seattle. The number one defense in football, one of the best defenses in NFL history, and y'all give up a double-digit lead that had never happened until that point. It's the largest – at the, before two years later, it was the largest Super Bowl comeback in, in NFL history at the time. That shouldn't happen with a defense that good. It shouldn't happen. Very, very true. Very true. I don't care if it is Tom Brady. <laughs> Funny enough, what happened – uh, what we saw play out was the fact that Butler, he tackled Kersey out of bounds as well, that wild Kersey, uh, Kersey Jerome curse catch. Like, Malcolm Butler made two plays in that game to, to switch it, and, and none of us knew who he was at that point. Right. He was, he, was, he, was just, he was just nameless, faceless New England Patriots quarterback. How many of those have we seen throughout, like, the decade plus of that team being good, right? Like, it, Except that team, the funniest thing, that team had a prime Darrell Rivas and a Brandon Browner who was part of the Legion of Boom, you know, until he went off the deep end and was fighting his ex-wife's husband's girlfriend person. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that was the first year where you had, like, big-name defensive players. Like, they actually spent money and stopped being cheap. But, yeah, Malcolm Butler, because the Patriot way, because why Why else? Right play at the right time. Being the also, if we, also, I also think it's that, obviously he got the job many years later, but I, I'm convinced that that play, Matt Patricia put on a highlight reel and showed it to the Detroit Lions for him to become head coach. That play helped win him a Super Bowl. Uh, uh, a, well, of course, helped them win a Super Bowl, helped him become a head coach. Because he, I, I guarantee you, he probably took credit for helping develop Malcolm Butler to be ready for that moment. Absolutely. There are a lot of 
former Patriots coaches that should not be NFL coaches of any type, coordinators, head coaches, <laughs> special teams, Joe Judge. Uh, like, they just shouldn't be coaches. A lot, the Patriot way has never worked outside of New England. It barely works in New England now. <laughs> so it's like, and they keep getting jobs. Josh Daniels is about to have another train wreck on his hands again. Anybody paying attention to Oakland? This is a hot-ass mess over there. Or, not Oakland, uh, Vegas. It's a hot-ass mess over there, as usual. So, yeah. But, like you said, I think Matt Patricia got himself a couple of Jobs like because that that one and then the, the one he had because I can't remember if he was still there or not but the Super Bowl they had a couple of years later against the Rams pretty, where I think he was there he basically which that one is a whole another thing of what ifs because you know if Jeff if Jared Goff wins that Super Bowl you know we're we're talking a whole different he might still be the quarterback now yeah. and Matt Stafford I mean, oh, might yeah. Super Bowls give you so much security in right. the NFL it's not even fun. And, and and Matt Stafford might still be in Detroit, or maybe he might be somewhere else like Washington or wherever. So Or San Francisco, even, because, you know, the Shanahan coaching tree. But, yeah, moving on, moving on. Um, I got a what if. This one is, I'm going to go to the NBA. And it's not it's not one you're thinking. It's, it's probably one that a lot of people don't think about. So I don't know how many people are familiar with the backstory of Giannis Antetokounmpo. But for those who have not read Miran Fader's book about him, there was a there was a tidbit in there that I found where the Atlanta Hawks were going to draft him. If they would have been there, they did not they didn't nobody expected Milwaukee to get him at 13 when he got drafted. Hawks had the 15th pick in I forgot which what 2014 draft I want to say or 13, one of those two years. The Hawks were ready to like to the point like they had a secret pre-draft meeting like they were they they were hiding them everywhere they went in the city of Atlanta cuz you know 26 Six ten, six eleven foot people just walking around Atlanta. That's just not something that happened. So Giannis and his brother, that is. So it's like the Hawks were prepared to draft Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they were two picks away. And then Milwaukee just came out of nowhere, essentially, at least in Atlanta's point of view, and drafted this man. We vet. What if Milwaukee passed over Giannis Antetokounmpo and he ends up in Atlanta? And I'm gonna just tell you that that's that's one I think about a lot because a lot of people are like, well, you know, one of the reasons we even get Giannis, like Giannis, does not happen in L.A. Right. Because they're not patient. Giannis doesn't happen in with the Knicks. Sorry, Marvin. Um, like because they're impatient. Like they'd be ready to deport R.J. Barrett after one playoff series. Like you know, so the big market teams, it doesn't happen. Milwaukee had the time they had the people who were working multiple jobs to kind of help him develop and grow gave him the time to grow i feel like that probably could have happened in atlanta as well because they weren't it's atlanta like you know it's, i mean you know they don't care about basketball barely so you know i feel like he could have developed and then let's say they're still kind of sort of bad you end up getting trey young a couple years after that so you could have had a, a combination of Giannis Antetokounmpo and trey young potentially you know, the funny thing was, too, is that, like, a year or two after that draft was the surprise 60-win Atlanta team with Mike Boonholzer. So, I mean, the unfortunate thing for Giannis in this timeline, he still gets uh, Mike Boonholzer no matter what. I mean, but, he, they want to ring together, so. Very, very true, but, you know, I I think you have Giannis as a six-man on that team with Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver, Al Horford, Jeff Teague, and... I think Zaza Pachulia might have been there for a little bit, too. Maybe. 
or oh, what's his name? Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap. Yeah, uh, there we go. He was there at that time. Like if if Giannis is and ISO Joe, throw some ISO Joe in there. <laughs> and ISO Joe. No, I think it was the Nets at that time. Like that was oh yeah, he was far. gone. Yeah, he know he was gone. He was gone. Yeah, he was gone. But like if if you have Giannis being six, seven, eight, like eighth man off the bench for that lineup with the kind of ball movement that they had that season. You know, he would have learned a lot. And I, I think your point ultimately makes a lot of sense. I think Giannis in a redraft, you know, it, it's different because in a redraft, we always pick the player of what they are now. Right. We don't consider what they were back then. And I'm with you. I think Giannis only works in select situations where it's a combination of plenty of patience in the front office, uh, a developmental staff, which I, Atlanta proved developmental because even though they missed out on Giannis, two picks later, they got Dennis Schroeder, who became a pretty good point guard right. for them. Ultimately, right. so they they even showed in that draft without getting their guy, they can help a player develop. So I think ultimately, if we're talking about you know, I I, I didn't even know about that story honestly. So I think that is a massive what if. And if you have Giannis on, in this Atlanta Hawks team, if they do still somehow end up getting a Trey Young, or he eventually supplants Damari Carroll in the in that lineup, you got Giannis onto the Kumpo, you know, all six foot eleven of him driving down the lane, kicking it out to Kyle Korver, uh, helping out Paul Millsap and Al Horford. Like, first off, Giannis and Al Horford would be a defensive nightmare front court wise Like, oof. And that's why I feel like they it's, – it's pretty much the same – look, like the same Milwaukee team that we have now with with Giannis, Lopez, and then you have, like, Middleton and Holiday, and you throw in there. Atlanta had that. You know, you had – I mean, short of the Drew Holiday, they didn't have that. But, like, you had – Jeff Teague was good back in the day. People be forgetting Young Jeff Teague was, was solid. But like you said, Harford, and he was more of an offensive threat back then, Harford was. So Harford, like you said, Giannis in there. And then, I mean, I guess this is a two-part what-if because we mentioned Trey Young, but let's just pretend for a second that Atlanta doesn't trade Luka. And, well, no, that probably wouldn't have worked out because he's... No, I think I think that no matter what, it was going to be Trey Young. It was going to go through as was. Although we, we do have to wonder, and this is why we're not going too deep into it because, like, Part of the reason why they got Trey Young was because that roster was so bad. If you have a Giannis Antetokounmpo who at that point would have been an all-star, what is the state of that roster? Because if you have, if you had gotten drafted, developed Giannis, like let's say even Paul Millsap still ends up leaving at some point, you still have Giannis and Al Horford there. You know, like, are you going to be that bad of a team? I don't know. They probably would have been better. That's one of those questions to ask. But if if we still assume that you know they still end up getting that high draft pick for Luca, let's say, like I I think the organization was still all the way in on getting Trey Young to be the guy, and it just would have been Trey Young would have been. I'm trying to think of like a, a scoring comparison to what Giannis could have been, but basically his Middleton, like he he would have just been the scorer next to him. And this is not to say that they would have necessarily won more championships or anything because they still had to run through LeBron and a lot of really good Toronto teams back then. So it still probably would have taken them a while to win a title. But I feel like they would have won. The one that Milwaukee won, I feel like could have been Atlanta's if Giannis ends up in Atlanta because everything went right that season. Like, you know, KD and the Nets fell apart and Harden and all that stuff. And then, and then of course... Uh, who did they play first? Oh, Miami that they swept. You know, sorry. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, that's that's what that is. But yeah, I just think about that sometimes. I'm like, bro, Atlanta's one of the only other places I feel like he could have worked out. Like Milwaukee, Atlanta. I'd throw the Nets, maybe. 
Probably the, no, probably. Well, I mean, well, maybe. No, I, yeah. I, the reason I would say no was because that was the 2013 draft. So going into 20, like the 13, 14 season, that was the Nets team where they went all in on being old as hell. So that was oh, Pierce, yeah. that was KG, that was Williams, that was Joe Johnson. I don't think that that Nets team would have given Giannis the exact, because remember, it was Prokhorov still at that point, and his whole thing was win, 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 win. He didn't, like, I, I, I think Giannis would have just been a casualty in that experiment that, that went horribly wrong. Right. And, I mean, he did start with Jason Kidd as his coach, too, so he did learn some things, but Kidd is a psychopath, but that's a whole other story. Um, But, yeah, yeah, so let's move on. You have another what if. Yes, I do, actually. Uh, this this is a, an older what if. I'm going to stick stick us in the NBA here to, to keep it. Um, and, and this is a what if that, you know, maybe hindsight 2020, even if one thing had changed, maybe what played out still would have happened. But I like to imagine what if Tim Duncan had left the San Antonio Spurs because it was a faithful offseason. I forget the exact year. Maybe it was oh. It was 04, perhaps, or 02. It was it was just before or just after the Spurs' second championship with Duncan and Robinson when Robinson retired, right? And I, mean, I, I want to say it was maybe after it. So you have two-time NBA champion Tim Duncan, two-time MVP Tim Duncan. He's a free agent, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the Orlando Magic. Actually, no, I think it was before the second championship. My bad. I, my timeline's a little bit messed up with it. But you have young Tim Duncan. Best, I think most would say probably was the best power forward in the league at that point, uh, if not at least top two. And he is meeting with Orlando. And Orlando, the plan is Grant Hill, Trace McGrady, and if they can get Tim Duncan as the guy there, and you have a big three of Grant Hill, Trace McGrady, and Tim Duncan. In Orlando? And what, Yep, in Orlando. That, that was... That was and for all intents and purposes, the, and I think that was actually the closest the Spurs ever came to losing Duncan. I, I like I. I think since then it's been fully believed that that was the closest that they feared losing their franchise player at any stretch of time. Right. And the the big deal breaker ultimately was it was like a meeting with Doc Rivers. It was like Duncan Doc Rivers because Doc was the coach at the time, uh, and the Orlando Brass. And Tim Duncan had asked uh, for you know. Travel, like uh, travel, being you know made easy for. I don't know if it was his wife at that point, maybe fiance. I, f- I don't remember what their status was right. at that. His partner time. at that point, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Doc Rivers said no. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute, because this is funny. This is the same Doc Rivers that allowed James Harden to go to Las Vegas before a playoff game. Back then, said no. No to Tim Duncan's significant other getting, you know, e- easier travel, and it's just it's one of those things where what if we had seen it was it was Grant Hill who had talked about this, and I was completely off on my initial thing. It was the year two thousand, but it was so it was after the first championship before the second one, right? And it, it and from everything that I read to this day, it was going to go down because mm-hmm. apparently, Iver uh, Tim shared an agent at that point with Ivor T Mac or Grant Hill, and. For all intents and purposes, like the idea was, like it was going to be those three teaming up, at, like in some way or another. And Doc Rivers said, "No, no, your significant other ain't getting like uh, uh, ain't getting to go with you on." The we team. pay you, not her. <laughs> like it's yeah. just, 
like make the sacrifice, man. Like we we talk about this at work a lot. One of the main things we talk about is like, well, what is Doc Rivers' legacy? How will he be viewed back as a coach? And we can say what we want about. And this isn't more so on him. This is more so that 08 Celtics team as a whole. Like they act more than what they really. They're like the biggest what if ever because I think I feel like half the NBA wishes they didn't win that ring because <laughs> we wouldn't have to hear about it all the time. It, well, not only uh, if they had not win that ring, how would them not winning the ring affect LeBron uh, potentially? Because like one of the big reasons the Big Three Heat was formed was because 2008 the Celtics knock out LeBron and the Cavs. And then, lo and behold, you have the 2008 Summer Olympics with the Redeem team, and it's LeBron, Wade, Bosch, and Mello all together there. Uh, that's another low-key what-if, because the original Big Three was apparently supposed to be Wade, LeBron, and Mello. Yeah, but Mello was all about doing his own thing and setting his own path, which, you know, I got another one with Mello, but we'll get to that in a second. But, like, yeah, yeah. Mello's career is full of what-ifs. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to yeah. that. But, yeah, but, yeah, that's that's my second what-if. Like, what if Tim Duncan had – what if Doc Rivers – I said, you know what, Tim? Yes, you're significant of her. She can come on the plane. You know, make make the superstar happy. Uh, which in this this era, easily that would have been done. Right. Uh, if we had had Tim Duncan, Tracy McGrady, and Grant Hill together, uh, it would have been less of a strain on Grant Hill and his body for all the injuries he eventually suffered in Orlando. And I think Tim Duncan and Tracy McGrady alone would have put, I think, a fair shot at leading the Magic to a Finals. And who was the dominant Western Conference team at that point? Is the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, and if we would have had a Magic Lakers final, and it's Kobe and Shaq on one side, and it's Tracy McGrady and Tim Duncan on the other side, that would have been pretty entertaining to say the least. And Orlando would have had a good, I say, four or five year stretch where they, well, the East was theirs for the taking. There. And Which ended up happening anyway <laughs> when Dwight Howard showed up. It was like actually no, because he went up against the Celtics and he went up against the early LeBron years and kind of the late Pistons years. He had a lot going on, but he kind of came through with that. It was like a good little stretch. It just didn't last long. But, yeah, the Magic, man, they've blown so many because they had Shaq in the building, and they blew that. They, they, yes, yes, this. Shaq and Penny. And they, they could have been the originals because Grant Hill, T-Mac, and Duncan were kind of the original prototypes of a lot of the positionless NBA we see now. You could have had those three together, and it probably would have came a lot quicker because people would have figured some things out. So. They they would have had like I I can confidently say this I think they would have at least at minimum one NBA championship if they had put that team together minimum at maybe least two. maybe all right all right and we're gonna go on down the line of what is I mean there's just so many I'm just trying to think of some really good ones here's one obviously with Melo recently retiring this one has come up a lot more in recent years but I'm gonna go back to the 2004 draft to the number two pick by the eventual champion Detroit Pistons who had gotten it from the Memphis Grizzlies. And everybody and their mama thought they was drafting Carmelo. But instead, they decided, you know what? That kid Darko, that kid's going to be special. That's what they said. And it didn't hurt them because they ended up winning a championship anyway. But, like, you know, I mean, obviously he's, like, considered one of the biggest best ever. But can you imagine Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, uh, uh, ben Wallace, Darvin Ham. Who else was on that team? I'm trying to remember. The, um, guy with the goggles. Oh, what is his name? Courtney Lee? No, not Courtney Lee. Is it Courtney Lee? Rip no, Rip Hamilton. There we go. I'm tripping. Rip Hamilton. The team that won a championship. How many championships would they have had? Because they had one. They only got one out of Kobe. Can you imagine that team with Carmelo Anthony on it? Yeah, it, it would certainly be interesting because you would you'd bring in a scorer there. 
to continue to add to the dynamic. I think the thing that makes this interesting is the fact that th- this was going into the season where they eventually won the championship. Right. And if they still make that Rasheed Wallace trade, because that was the big thing, the Rasheed Wallace trade happened that season. If they still make that Rasheed oh, Wallace trade. Oh, forgot about Rasheed Wallace, yeah. And you have, I think for the most part, I, I think the, not, I don't want to call it a struggle, but I think the thing would just be a, a situation where you have six starters on a team, on a sport where you can only have five out there. Well, I do think. For all we want to say about, you know, again, this is hindsight 2020, that of course people would start Carmelo Anthony over. No, I'm saying, yeah, you're one thing you mentioned, we think about him as we think about him now. And it's like, of course he'd be coming off the bench, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with starting. I, 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 yeah, I think that would be the ultimate thing because Tayshawn Prince was the starting three on that team. And, and Tayshawn, like, for all intents and purposes, like, any one of the 04 Pistons team will sit, sing the praises of Tayshawn Prince and how critical he was to right. the team winning. If, if a young mellow, and this is the thing here, we need to consider young mellow, if young mellow can understand to give it time and that he will get his, then he would have some hardware early on because this is the same Pistons team that made to back-to-back finals and lord above the 2005 NBA Finals was the ugliest NBA Finals of all time, scoring-wise. And if the Pistons had had a reliable, again, coming off the bench, but let's say he, at minimum, what, 17, 18 points per game at worst for Melo off the bench in his second year? like And six-man-of-the-year candidate, probably? Yeah, if you, if you have that going up against that Spurs team, I don't know. I, I think we're asking a lot of questions about what that Pistons team legacy could have been in how longer their run in the East could have been because that Pistons team made, I forget the final number, like six or seven Eastern Conference Finals in a row. Like, that was the team that uh, the 06 Heat, that was the team that the 07 Cavs and the 08 Celtics all had to go through to make it to the to make it to the NBA Finals. And two of those teams won championships. So you're talking about the team that was the stand bearer in the Eastern Conference. You still have Carmelo Anthony there. How, much, like, how long do they keep it? And how many of those playoff series do they potentially win? More so in the 06, 07, and 08 finals if you have Melo there in, in the lineup. It's it's something to, to think about for sure. Now, my thing, the only thing I would say is um, we th- I think a lot about the fact that – well, I guess the fact that it didn't happen is kind of part is, – is, is another two-part what-if here because it's like, okay, they don't get Melo, fine, whatever. Okay. Next year comes along and then they're playing the Pistons and we all kind of know what happened that night, you know? I think in some kind of massive fight that, you know, people are jumping in the stands and all that shit. And and the reason I bring this up is I don't know if you watch. It's the show on Netflix called Untold, which is kind of like a docu-series. It's, they're bringing out some some fire this upcoming summer. I don't know if you've seen their lineup, but it's crazy. They did an episode with the Pacers. That Pacers team absolutely goes to the NBA Finals if Ron Artest doesn't lose his fucking mind and just start, and it's not even his fault, obviously. Like, you don't throw, a grown-ass man don't throw a drink on another grown-ass man and expect that grown-ass man to not whip said grown man's ass. Like, he had it, whoever the fan was that threw it had it coming. Like, you, you, you can't do that. But that being said, if half of the damn team doesn't get suspended for the rest of the year, I truly believe the Pistons probably do not, or not the Pistons. The 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 Pacers. Nobody is getting in their way yeah, that year. I'm I'm with you. If you so, I I just pulled it up real quick. The first seven games of that '04 season, because Old Buddy was suspended for the entire rest of the season. The entire season. Ron Artest to to start the season, twenty four point six points per game, six point four rebounds, one point seven steals, and just under a block a game. 
And then you have Steven Jackson, who was about a 20-point-per-game scorer at that point, won a championship because he was on the, uh, the 0-3 Spurs. And old Reggie Miller. Yeah, old Reggie Miller and Jermaine O'Neal. Like, that, I, I think that team probably does go all the way. Like, it... And that Pistons team, another thing they, we could say about the Pistons team definitely, and that Pistons team admitted that the Pacers, they always thought the Pacers were their biggest challenge. Right. When they got when they had that little run. And if that Pacers team had truly been 100% that season, because I, I had seen the Mouse at the Palace stuff, I, I find the Mouse at the Palace just a highly entertaining point in NBA history. It's so funny. And it's funny because the NBA wants it to just not exist. Like anytime anybody tries to bring it up, we own the rights to it, can't get it. Because the NBA wants no, it, they they would rather that footage never exist. We people got to use pictures. Like nobody can use footage of it. It's the hardest thing ever, and it's it's so funny to me. It's it, it's just one of those nexus points in history where so much like had that never happened, how much would have changed? Like we're talking about bizarre world. We're talking about multiverse type stuff that we see in all the movies now that everyone is overusing. But it, it's a legitimate thing. We would be living in a completely different reality. That was Malice at the Palace was a canon event. It, it, you know what? Yep, it was. Anybody that saw uh, the Spider-Man movie, you know what that is. Do Do you think Miguel was actually the one that threw the beer at Ron Artest because it had to happen? Yes, yes. That that makes perfect sense because nobody knows who throws the beer, and the wrong guy got punched in the face. So, <laughs> almost broke his neck. You know, Jermaine O'Neal's career was ruined because he ended up just kind of being like a. Eight, seventh, eighth man. He wasn't even really a sixth man. He was like seventh, eighth man off the bench. Like, dude was an all star in the making. And that whole thing ruined his career, ruined perception of him, everything. Steven Jackson, you know, he ended up winning a couple titles down the road, didn't he? He was on some. Or no, 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 I don't think he, he did. Before it. I don't know if he ever won after. Because he, he, he was on. Steven Jackson, I think, was, wasn't, he, wasn't Steven Jackson on that uh, Warriors team that beat the Mavericks uh, as an AFC? I think he was on the We Believe in Warriors team, if I'm not I believe, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, Baron Davis. Greatest dunk ever over AK forty seven. He's the one that caught bullets that night. Oh man, uh, yeah, that that was that was yeah. I think because and he was on he, Stephen Jackson was on a lot of good teams. It's just none of them ever like got all the like he was on the Spurs team that eventually lost to the Thunder that went on to play the for, the first big three Miami Heat championship. So yeah, yeah, he he was on a lot of well, good teams. Well, yeah, he he because he was on the O three Spurs and he was on the O three Spurs championship. Because so, you know what's funny, a friend of mine actually sent me a post uh, a couple days ago, Dev. Uh, during that O three run, the Spurs and the Mavericks they faced. I want to say it was the conference finals, and Steve Kerr had a game in that series where he just went off for like five or six three pointers, and people call it the Steve Kerr game because he like that entire series he only ever played in garbage time, and Greg Popovich just puts him in there. And he just makes threes. It was part of like a massive run. Like the Spurs murdered the Mavericks in that game to end up winning it. I forget if they won them in the series or at least put them up three games to whatever. But they won the series in part because of that performance. And Steven Jackson's in the comments saying, uh, like, he, like, like, kind of like, talk, like, it's like, oh, that's not the Steve Kerr game. It was like a, a team effort. And he was like, uh, check who was leading leading the team in scoring at the end of that game. And so basically, like, alluding to himself. And my friend was like, yo, look at this hating man in the comments. Like, he just. But he's big time, hey, big hater energy. Because I seen some of the other stuff. They they were like naming all the people he was better than. And it's like, bro, the first two or three, it's like, come on, though, come on now. But we're not gonna get into that. We're gonna we're gonna let Stephen be a hating person over there. And uh, gone head and your your next what if? 
Oh, so I'm going to... I'll be quick with this one because it's actually going to be more of a hockey-related what-if. Uh, I think it's arguably the, the biggest what-if that the NHL has seen in recent memory. Uh, and I'm referring to... if. By chance, there is a hockey fan that stumbles, stumbles upon this. I'm talking about mainly the 2017 uh, Stanley Cup playoffs in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. We had Senators-Penguins. That series went to Game 7 in overtime, and the Penguins won that. And the reason why I bring it up was because if the Ottawa Senators had won that game, I think they'd go on to win the Cup that year. So you have a couple things happen. You have the, the curse against Canada being broken, because that would have been the first Canadian team to win a Stanley Cup. At that point, it would have only been 20... 23, uh, 24 years. So that 24-year curse would have been broken because now it's 30 years since the Canadian team last won the Cup, which is everyone loves making memes about up considering, you know, hockey scandals. Apparently, uh, yeah. It's supposed to be. So it would have only been 20, 24 years at that point. Uh, but it also would have been, I think, a coming of moment for Eric Carlson, who is one of the best defensemen of his generation. He actually just won uh, the Norris Trophy for a third time in his career for this past season, the award for best defenseman. So if he has that, and on his resume, he has a Stanley Cup, and he for sure would have been the playoff MVP. People were saying, you know, arguing to give him the playoff MVP, even if they made it all the way there and lost. That's how good he was in the postseason. Like, you have a player's legacy being affected, and you have a Pittsburgh Penguins team who, since their championship, they've only won one playoff series since that 2017 Cup. So if you think about that, that team that ended up going back to back, if they have one less Cup, it's one less cup on the legacy of Sidney Crosby, one of the best, one of the top ten players of all time. Right. It's one. It's one less cup on the legacy of their general manager, their coach, and the situation looks a lot more bleak right now. If they How many did he end up winning? He won three or four. Who Sid? Yeah. Or the well, when he was there. How many? Three. 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 Yeah. So I mean, it's still still on the team, but yeah, they won three cups. They made it to four finals. Right. They won three times. And if you you take away a cup from his resume, that hurts his resume. And you have all the losing that's been happening in Pittsburgh since. Like, it, it, it'd be extremely tough times for Penguins fans, to say the least. And you take out a repeat, because that was actually before the Tampa Bay team. That was the first repeat of what we call the modern era of the NHL, the modern salary cap era. They were the right. first team in what we call the salary cap era to ever go back-to-back. That was a massive deal. So if you, you take that historical event away, of course, it eventually gets done by Tampa. But then Tampa can say they were the first, not the second. They would have been the first. So a lot of... This is very a niche thing, but it's a lot of legitimate, like, legacy-changing what-ifs in just that one goal being scored. You have Canada's curse potentially being broken. You have a defenseman cementing his case as one of the, the best of his generation easily and one of maybe the top ten at all time. I think people would more consider Carlson as if he had the cup on his resume. You take a cup away from Crosby. You take a cup away from that Penguins team. They don't get to go back to back. And the perception on them is, dang, they could have done a lot more versus now it's like, you know what? They did their job. They won three cups, right? Versus you let one get away. And it, it's always different. It, the the victory versus you let one get away. We just talked about with Seattle, right? How much of a difference two championships were made. This right. is a team that was on the good side of it here, but in another world, they right. would only have – they still would have had one when he was younger. <laughs> they, would have, they would not have repeated and a lot of not maybe not too much like some of the stuff we talked about not compared to the malice or mellow or anything but like a lot of legacies and player perception would be vastly different in what current hockey fans view guys as had it had it not happened but they got lucky well, no i don't want to call it lucky but the penguins you know history bounced their way on that night 
Yeah, you know, as a Capitals fan, it seemed to bounce their way a lot when they played us <laughs> back in the day. I mean, well, I wasn't, I'm not like a huge Capitals fan, but I was back. It was like, yeah, Crosby took a lot of rings out of Ovechkin's pocket. It, 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 it's, it's so unfortunate. You know, he finally got his one. Now they're just letting him break the record or whatever if he gets it. But anyway, you know, a hockey reference, man. We, we don't get a ton of hockey references in this show. So shout out to, to, to hockey and them. So, <laughs> I, I had to. I had right, to. right. Yeah, we, we do all sports, believe it or not, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of some other ones. I'm trying to get a baseball one in here. Oh, man. I think I got one. So, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And it's like, it's crazy to think about the chance that. Actually, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the baseball ones in a second. I'm, I'm going to think of some ones down the road. There is the, the, the main reason we, we thought about this show, one of the biggest antagonizers that kind of got us thinking about this show was a man, Kevin Durant, you know, PG County legend. Shout out to PG County, Montgomery County, whatnot. Maryland basketball. Shout out to us. But Kevin Durant's career arc is one of the crazy, is one of the more interesting ones in terms of polarizing actually is the better word for it like he is he's split so many people down the middle in the way that they think about his legacy and his career for a number of reasons obviously like he was great in oklahoma city you know did a lot of good good things there you know um i went to a finals they didn't win it because james harden would rather go party at magic city than you know but um yeah so that happens but then you know he eventually leaves all this stuff his what if it's so many what ifs with him, but it, I think it starts all the way back with what if they don't blow a 3 1 lead to Golden State in the playoffs? If they don't blow that 3 1 lead, which eventually leads, uh, unironically, eventually leads to another blown 3 1 lead, which leads to him coming to the Warriors. It's just so many. But if we go all the way back to the 3 1 lead they had over Golden State. Who at the time was a 73 and 19 in the playoffs, you know, they had kind of breezed through most of it up to that point. Maybe not breezed, but like they had, you know, gotten fairly through it. That dynasty takes a hit if they lose that game. Yep. You know, a lot of things happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe they do still go cry in the car and get Kevin Durant to come. I don't know. But he goes on, I truly believe, regardless of how good the war, the the Cavaliers were, I do believe Kevin Durant would have won a title that year with that Golden State team. It changes a whole lot because Russell Westbrook's kind of image is vastly different, I believe, if he has a championship, you know, because everybody already believes he's a Hall of Famer or whatever. But, like, the way his career is going now, I feel like it wouldn't be as – as severe if he wins a title like if they're on a title winning team that's first of all i feel like kevin probably resigns with oklahoma city as a free agent that because you don't necessarily leave a championship team well a superstar doesn't the role players do so you know but he probably sticks around a little bit longer but that's that what if the big what if happens like we said it, it spurred him end up coming to form one of the greatest death stars of the 2010s. You know, the, the Golden State Warriors were already on the way up. I don't think they needed him. A lot of people truly believe, like, yo, even Draymond Green himself said that they probably would have lost 
to the Cavs if they would have played them again without KD because he feels like they were figuring them out, whatever. I'm like, maybe that's just his meat writing. I don't know. But, like, yeah, a lot of people believe that, whatever. But KD comes in the building, you know, equalizes some things. It's a lot of championships that were lost by the Cavs, won by the Warriors. There's the other what if of, hey, what if he doesn't tear his ACL against Toronto or before Toronto? You know, like, his whole tenure in Golden State is a what-if. It's a big-ass what-if. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, so so really the, the antithesis of that that started, you know, me being on today was us asking, what if he just never went to Golden State? What if, what if the, like, 2016 final still happens, like, the Cavs still come back, whatever, but what if he doesn't choose to go to Golden State in that offseason? What if he goes somewhere else? And- LeBron might have seven rings, maybe even eight. Yeah, it's, 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 there's there's a lot of different possibilities that you could rack your brain around on what what that decision in 2016 entailed. Even if you let the playoffs play out as is, I, I think your scenario is interesting because I think if KD and Russ make one more finals, then we need to ask the question: What if they win versus what if they lose? I think if they win, I, I'm with you. I think everything you said plays out as is. I think KD stays there and probably should finish out for the most part because. Uh, you, but like as a superstar, if you win and then you leave, like this wasn't a Kawhi situation where you were there just right. for a year. Yeah, this, this is the team that drafted, developed you, etc. Uh, but if him and Russ, like you said, this completely changes the legacy. I think this changes Kevin Durant's legacy because people hold it against him those two championships and how they were won and who they he won it with. Where if he has the championship in OKC, because he would have won the Finals MVP, I think that year if they had won it, like. You, you have the one championship in OKC, guaranteed. You have the finals MVP. It changes the perception that everyone has of you and what your quote-unquote way of winning was. Uh, it gives Russ the thing that has eluded a, a couple point guards in their careers for the most part. And where unlike some point guards, like, you know, I know he has this championship, but Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd won it very late in his career. Russ wouldn't have won it late in his career. He would have won it towards the peak of his powers at that point. It changes Russ's legacy. It also changes things because if Ken Durant stays there, Russ wouldn't have become the... I mean, he still would have gotten triple doubles, but he wouldn't have been the four straight, three, four straight seasons in a row averaging triple doubles, so he wouldn't have an MVP on his resume. That would actually probably be one of the extra MVP on the resume of James Harden, funny enough, uh, for himself. So now we have a two-time James Harden MVP. How would that have changed things in Cleveland? Would LeBron have been more, you know, uh, wanting to stay there longer to make sure that they would have eventually won a championship to guarantee it? Like... So many different things if Kevin Durant wins the championship in OKC. And then even, like I said, if you let 2016 play out the way it did and he just goes to a different team, you have, you know, that 2017 Warriors team. We talked about this. That 2017 NBA Finals, Kyrie averaged like 29 points per game on the most efficient shooting in his career, and LeBron averaged a triple-double. I think if we're talking about just one series in the Golden State Warriors-Kevin Durant tenure that he wanted for them, it was the 2017 Finals. Because if you replay that series without Kevin Durant and you keep Harrison, I can't make a three-pointer in the fourth quarter for my life, Barnes. Couldn't make a damn two-pointer. That man was bricking. He was building condominiums in the city of San Francisco that whole series. He was missing. It was a human trafficking incident. You could not find this man for about at least three games because he probably had like one or two decent ones. But there was like a three. It was just, ugh. Like... He he got booted out. He would have gotten booted out anyway because he was a free agent and they weren't paying him after that performance. Whether Kevin Durant comes or not, they weren't paying him. They just weren't. Yeah, and like so, you have a 2017 Finals where I think the Cavs you replayed no KD. I think the Cavs win that, so you have one more championship on LeBron's current resume with five in a row. Um, or even like you said, 
let Kevin Durant go to Golden State. Let 2017 happen. What if the Rockets don't miss 27 straight threes? How I didn't even think about that. <laughs> how, would, how would that have turned out? What if, uh, so in 2019, I remember this vividly because this was the year right, like, uh, that I finished college. Like, Kevin Durant gets hurt Same. in the Rockets rematch series. And then in the finals, he tries to come back, and that's when he tears his Achilles. What if KD just never got hurt in the Rockets series? What if it's a fully healthy Golden State team going against that Toronto team? We're not calling Kawhi Leonard the dynasty killer, which is kind of already an overrated moniker for him. I didn't know people called him that, actually. Huh? <laughs> I did not know people called him that. It, it, it was a thing. It was like a big social media thing. People were calling him the dynasty killer because they credit him to ending the Miami Heat Big 3. Spoiler, LeBron was leaving no matter what. And then that 2019 team, like, he, the dynasty was kind of imploding in and of itself. Like... Kind of like now. If, <laughs> like, if you if you give one more championship to KD and you give him three right now, and if maybe he wins one more Finals MVP, that's that, that to me is the ultimate big question because Steph had to carry the load by himself that series. So if you keep a healthy Kevin Durant in 2019, how does that change everything? Actually, I'll go one further. Forget Kevin Durant because he got hurt. And they still almost lost the three one lead. If Clay doesn't get hurt, yeah. what happens if Clay doesn't get hurt? And they were on their way to coming back because they were going to win that home game too. Because they won in Toronto and they was three two. They were going to win that game at home. I truly believe because yeah. they almost did without him. They yeah. were going to win that game at home. It was going to be three three. We go back to Toronto. What happens in a game seven in Toronto? Ah, uh, that would have hurt Kevin Durant. Just... That would have hurt Kevin Durant even more. Yeah, if if Golden State would have. The funniest thing is because remember earlier in that year where KD and and, and Draymond, it's funny. The the real dynasty killer is Draymond Green, but we'll get into that later. Um, (laughs) He and KD have that that big fight and he tells them like, yo, we don't need you. We're good without you. If they come back from a 3-1 lead and beat Toronto in that series without Kevin Durant. Oh, that would kill him. they They would play that clip on loop for generations. We're four years later and people still like laughing about it and stuff. Because here's like, the thing, I think KD still would have left because you get the internal feeling of He said himself, it's like he felt like it was always KD and the Warriors. It was never he was never like in there with them. Which I mean it's kinda of funny considering, you know, you, you We told him that. To play in that. <laughs> yeah. You know? Just saying. But yeah, I, like that whole tenure. Isn't it funny how we only ever talk about one of these situations at work? But right here, we just came up with another five or six to stem just from that. Like, that decision changed everything. It changed his legacy. It changed the perception of LeBron's legacy. Westbrook. We just talked about Harding getting an extra MVP if Kevin Durant had finished the freaking job in 2016. Like, that's four players alone that we're talking about in these different situations. Now, the one that I know, the one I know that wouldn't have changed regardless, and it probably would have been even worse if LeBron and them would have kept winning. Kyrie Irving leaves regardless. Like, I think a lot of people feel like... Agreed. Like, oh, KD went there and they were losing a bunch and then that just made Kyrie angry. No, like, his whole thing is he didn't... It's hard to play in the shadow of LeBron James. It is incredibly hard to do it, especially if you're another alpha male-type superstar figure, which at the time he was. I don't know what he is these days. But, like, you know, he would have left anyway. Kyrie, Kyrie... is his own dude. You know, I can respect him for that. He's his own dude. He was going to leave one way or the other. Now, what if he was healthy 
in that game seven in Boston against LeBron, <laughs> I just would have wanted I... to just. It wouldn't have made it wouldn't mean shit a difference because the rest of that team was still too young. But it's just the point of like, yo, Kyrie would have left anyway. Yeah. So I'm with you. But the rest of them, the rest of them, it was all intertwined, and it it was a candid event. Kevin, see, a lot of these what ifs are like regular what ifs, like, oh, okay, we could think about this, whatever. KD joining the Warriors was a candid event. Yep, it it was because literally we we just talked about five or six different things where what if it hadn't happened, or what if even him joining, what if this didn't happen, what if this didn't happen. There's like. We can go to five or six different divergences just based off of this dude ruining the NBA for a three, four year stretch of time. Like, right? It's utterly insane. To, to the Kyrie point, just to wrap that part up, uh, I remember after he left, there was it was a, I think it was a radio show in Cleveland, had a full detailed breakdown of everything that happened before LeBron had came back. So apparently, from what and this was years ago, so I apologize if I might be off, but I remember reading that before LeBron. It was internally known in the Cavs organization that LeBron was going to Cleveland, like he was going to return to Cleveland. Like Kyrie was actually planning what the Cavs roster was going to look like. Uh, I think if memory serves, Gordon Hayward would have gone to Cleveland in some way, shape, or form. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was that. And I remember seeing Paul George almost got there too. I saw that too. Because I I want to say it may have been that summer uh, that and the, the Hornets made the offer sheet to Gordon Hayward. Because remember, when the Jazz kept him, they didn't keep him on their own volition. That was an offer sheet that they had to match. Right. I think Cleveland was going to be the team, like, they were going to go all in on Hayward, but then LeBron came and that changed everything. Like, Hayward, I remember, that's the main thing I remember. Gordon Hayward was the, like, the piece that Kyrie wanted there with him. And it was going to be Kyrie, Gordon Hayward. Remember, they drafted Andrew Wiggins that year. They were hoping Anthony Bennett could maybe, you know, salvage something. Like, there, there was still a lot of stuff. And maybe they still could have traded Wiggins and Bennett, but it wouldn't have been for love for LeBron. It maybe could have been for somebody else. So it's just so many. And you mentioned Paul George. I think Andrew Wiggins at that point, all the potential in the world being the first overall pick, I think that would have been the perfect return for an Indiana team that maybe all in all it was going to be over. Like if they were looking that far ahead in the future, who, who knows? But yeah, it, Kyrie is a what if in and of itself, that whole LeBron 2014 spiel. But yeah, like... I, I, I'm with you. If there's one person that wasn't affected by it, no matter what, it was it was, it was Kyrie. Kyrie. It was Kyrie. Yeah, it is just a lot. It was just a lot going on there. But man, so yeah, you you got one more. What if? Oh, if the, I mean, I guess one. Like we, we say one more, but you know. But yeah, yeah. I, I I think I just go back to and I mentioned it earlier in the show, but just what if the original plan had happened? What if it had been LeBron, Wade, and Melo in Miami, and not LeBron, Wade, and Bosh? Yeah, because I think Melo back then it was it wasn't popular to like team up at the time. So like Melo was thinking like you know he wants to do his own thing, get his money, whatnot. Yeah, I I I, I think that's one of the ones that really sticks for me because I I think the structure of things would have changed in Miami as well because you know you don't have that versatile big man in Bosh. Like, do I still think talent-wise we probably make four straight finals? More likely than not. I'm not going to say that's not the case, but I think that probably, it, like, that's something that just I think about. I don't want to say I think about from time to time, but like, I've entertained the thought: of what, what, if, what if it had been four years of LeBron Wade and Mel? Like, I, I, I literally think it's something to ponder. But even they, they tried to recruit him. <laughs> yeah, not to be too mellow based. What if this a couple years earlier? What if I forget the exact year it happened? The, the when the NBA blocked Chris Paul to LA, <laughs> oh 
Oh, that's a big one, actually, as well. But no, what if uh, Steve Nash doesn't get Stone Cold stunnered into the sideline by the San Antonio Spurs and it causes a bunch of Suns players to get suspended for a critical elimination game and the Suns have their whole team? I, I, was I it the Lakers or Spurs they were playing? No, so it was it was Sun Spurs. I may have accidentally said Lakers, my bad. It was a Sun Spurs playoff series. Steve Nash gets freaking hip checked into into like the the Tron whatever on the side, and Suns players they don't they don't really get on the court. They just very slightly step on the court, and because of the very strict NBA rules at the time, a bunch of players got suspended on Phoenix. To this day, that Suns team is convinced had that not happened, had they not been penalized, and had the Spurs been way more penalized for the fact that they're superstar MVP point guard or the fact that they had someone check a superstar MVP point guard into the freaking the sideline I think the Suns believe that that was the year that they would have gotten San Antonio and if the Suns because it was always the Spurs it was always the Spurs that got in the Suns way and if the Suns that season had finally overcame that Spurs window that Spurs hurdle I think they'd have a championship and how different the career of Steve Nash would look if we're talking about two-time MVP, one-time NBA champion, and maybe a finals MVP. Or, and even ignoring Steve Nash, if the Suns have a championship, I don't think Amari Stoudemire goes to the Knicks in, 20, in the 2011 free agency, or 2010. Because why would you leave the team that you, that drafted you and you won a championship with, right? Like, I, I, that, that's one of those what-ifs that just gets me. And it's it's an entertaining thing to imagine. I know Suns fans probably have like a million what-ifs for their team on what if this had happened. Maybe they could have. What if, what if they would have drafted Luka over DeAndre Ayton? You know, they probably would still not have a title. But like, hey, you know, it's just, it's just something to think about. Luka and Devin Booker together. That would be the most hard-headed locker room ever. Good Lord. Well, I can promise this. They, they wouldn't have had a center get blocked on an alley-oop in an NBA Finals. I don't think that would have happened. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't jumping that high. That, <laughs> but, but, yeah, no. That, that's that's yeah that's that's a lot to think actually that 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 that's another one i think i mean it's not a huge what if but it's just like bro if katie's foot wasn't on the line because you know people love to remind people this and it's like i don't give a fuck really if he would have <laughs> worn a smaller shoe you know but that that was the whole thing but yeah but um yeah i think we've uh gone down that that's just a couple of them, you know. It's just so many what ifs, and we don't we don't have time to go over all of them. So, you know, this but, would be a, this would be like a five hour show if we tried. It really would be a five hour show, but we got more show to do. We've reached my favorite part of the show. Actually, it's a segment I like to call "Big Time Plays" of the day. It's dedicated to the stuff going on. You know, in the world of sports and beyond, you know, it's just a lot going on. It's a lot going on this week. Obviously, the NBA script writers and script writers in general better be busy because it ain't a whole lot of script writing going on in Hollywood right now. SAG after shut down the actors and the Writers Guild is going into what is this month number three of their shutdown. There is nothing going on in Hollywood right now. It is crazy to think about. This is the first time, I think, in 60 years that both the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA have shut down together. Yep. Yeah. And the actor's way more recent as well. Like, they only just did it, what, a couple weeks back at this point? Whereas the writers have been shut down for a couple months, like you mentioned. Right. So. And the writers, uh, that one is really the one you got to watch because people that forget what happened in 08 and how bad some of those shows were when the writers stopped. <laughs> you know, like... Some of our favorite shows got fucked up in that era. 
you know. All I'm just saying is people, Disney included, pay these people what they're worth. Please, please pay these people. And yeah. It's not just about, you know, upfront payment. It's because uh, I've heard a couple of people speak about this. You know, in previous strikes or like going into strikes and labor disputes that the writer's guild has had with Hollywood, it's about trying to make sure that they get out ahead of new phenomenon that are going to be happening. One big one was years ago, the whole idea of like the beginning of the internet and what it was slowly becoming. Like Hollywood was like, ah, oh, no, we don't really think we're going to get a lot of revenue. And the writer's guild was like, well, well shit, you're not. Like, we know what this is going to become. And they like, they didn't let their people get uh, screwed over with that. They took advantage. I think, uh, and now a similar thing is happening with that yet again, uh, in terms of what the future of this government, like you mentioned, we, we work at a company that's going to be affected by the idea of, you know, the changes in, in media over the next four or five years or so. Uh, and that's a big, big thing of what, why the actors are now having their strike, because it's about what revenue are they going to get from shows that are just going to be, you know, streaming you know, and AI. Yeah. Streaming and AI. And like, you know, cause uh, was it is it last year or the year before where Scarlett Johansson had her whole thing about Black Widow, the Black Widow movie? Twenty, I think it was twenty one. It was twenty, the end of twenty twenty into twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was like you know it was the idea because I think it was still released in theaters, but then there was a streaming thing and you know her compensation for that. That's a big thing that the actors specifically are going after right now, and I'm sure the writers students said as well. Like, what revenue are they getting? What share are they getting based off of the streaming numbers? And we have all these streaming platforms and there's going to be shows, series, movies that are only going to be done just on those streaming platforms itself. And how are these people going to make their money? It's a very tricky thing. I'm not proclaiming to be an expert in any way, shape or form, but that's like, from what I understand, yeah, yeah, no, I disagree yeah. about this. that's, that's what they're trying to figure out. They want to get ahead just like they did before, just like they've done in the past. They want to make sure that their people that they are representing are in the best possible position to get the benefit from this that they are not missing out on the benefit of what is going to be the new modern era of us watching shows right that's that's what this is all about. the main and, thing is just pay are, these damn people so they can afford rent like people get this idea like and, it, and it's crazy to think about it. it's like bro the i think one of the things is like yo they, they a lot of the face of this is being put on like the higher like the richer actors like the, the people who we know and see on TV, and so for that reason, people think, oh, these spoiled Hollywood brats, and it's like, no, no, most of them are people like you and me, you know, who are out here making $40,000, $42,000 a year, you know, working two and three jobs to pay their rent. Like, most of the people boycotting right now is that. That's why whoever that anonymous executive is that said that the plan is to wait this out until people start losing their houses and apartments, fuck you, first of all. <laughs> but that's why he said that, because most of them are not rich Hollywood elites like no no that's not what it is that's not what this it's, is at all it, what constantly happens with labor disputes like this is that we fall for the trick that the labor is being the greedy ones exactly it in sports all the time we somehow the public always gets tricked into going with the billionaires and not the millionaires because everybody seems to think they're temporarily displaced millionaires kind of it's like no you're oppressed too <laughs> these you should be on the, these people are doing the same thing you're doing and we're not just seeing it in Hollywood net. UPS look like they getting ready to strike. I saw Kaiser Permanente announce they're striking. Like, it's, people are tired. They're tired of billionaires sitting on their big thrones making gobs, ungodly amounts of money, two, three, four hundred times more money than, than employers and not paying nobody. Like, we shouldn't have to be working two and three jobs to survive. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah, it really shouldn't. And 
you know, you, you mentioned it, Dev, going back to 08, I think you said, and the impact it had then. I think it like I think what people don't realize is that this will have an effect on shows coming out because yep. you know the I think the biggest thing I was actually talking about this with a friend of mine a couple weeks back. Uh, this was more just one specific thing we were talking about, not like a whole host of like you know upcoming shows. But like I think the big thing that this is going to affect is like pro- products that are supposed to be coming two three years down the line in like 2025, 2026. How is this going to impact the quality that we're going to get? We're like, already seeing it. Some of these shows have already been delayed. Yeah, and, and like TV, TV shows and series and stuff like that, it, it's very meticulous. It takes time to put it together. It takes time for the script. That's why I think the writers, like especially with the whole AI thing, I don't care if the AI can write the script, it cannot write it at the same level. Like, no artificial intelligence can write the same level of intricacy and emotion in a script like a human can. Just get that out the way right Right. Now. It sucks all the life out of it. And, it, and it's just, no, they can't do it. That's why it's called artificial. So I'm not with all this AI shit. Like some of y'all are a little too receptive to it. Like, no, that shit is not human. It's real nasty and creepy and dark. It's, it's dark energy around it. And I don't fuck with that shit because it just takes the human element out of stuff. Like whether it's music, whether it's writing. And then plus, you know, if you're some like, I don't know about you, but me, I mean, I my past was writing. That's how I got into sports was being a writer first before TV. So I appreciate good writing. So I'll watch TV shows just for the writing. Like right. you can tell bad writing. You know bad writing when you see it. If you really pay yeah, attention. Exactly. And, and, and for what me and my friend were personally talking about a couple weeks back, Deb, it was we were talking about the Harry Potter series that's coming to uh, Max in a few years. Like I don't think people understand. If you're a Harry Potter fan, type of thing, I'm going to hockey and Harry Potter. What freaking different? Levels. We're doing everything here. This is we're we're we're, we're the full bag here. But, but but like just to use that as an example, I'm telling what is happening now will affect that show if. There haven't already been said delays because the writing and retelling of that story is going to be affected by this currently happening, and the actor selection is going to be affected by this currently happening. Like, we, this will have an impact of shows for the next two years if it continues to get worse and worse. Like, and that's one of those things that I think a lot of people just sometimes ignore with this stuff. We just think about the short term, we don't think about the long term. And that's the funny thing, like, that's what they're fighting for. They're fighting for the long term benefit here. Like, I think, like you said, at the end of the day, like there, there needs to be stable ground where we can all find. And like these people need to be properly compensated, and they need to be in the future of this. They don't want to lose out because the change in how we all get our content is coming very soon. Like, it's here. I remember when I was? I, I, I think you you probably heard this as well because like we are damn near on the same timeline when we both graduated like high school and college and stuff. I, I remember hearing early in college. Like, there will be a day sooner than we think where none of us will basically have or use our TVs anymore. I thought that was crazy. Doesn't it feel like they soon, very soon, our TVs are going to somewhat be useless? I mean, it'll have our streaming apps and stuff on it. Yeah, like, actual cable television already is kind of yeah, dead it's, it's, on arrival. Like, one or two more nails in the coffin, and yeah. it's going to be done. And how that will all change everything is going to be wild to say the least and these people don't want to lose out that and they're just reinventing all the shit we had like we had cable packages before they're basically just doing the same thing but doing it on streaming now like you have all these different cable channels on streaming (laughs) with all the new shows and everything on it and like you said yeah people want to be compensated for their work that's at the end of the day that's what this is this is people who want to be compensated for their work you know like they put in the work you're not gonna you're not gonna make me do a like even in our profession, I'm not doing a 
vice president's job for a content associate salary. Like, I'm just not doing it. You know, exactly. like in this, it, it, just to make it for us to understand, like it's, it's, you know, pay these people. That's all we're saying. Pay the fucking writers and stop being dicks, Hollywood. Exactly. Cutting trees and it, I found it crazy when I was like, yo, SAG after the the the, the SAG after to qualify for their health insurance, you have to make twenty six thousand dollars, and most of the actors don't even make that. It's wild. Like everybody thinks, oh, it's Tom Cruise and Angelina Jolie and all these big famous. Like, no, no, most of these, like, like the extras that you see in your favorite shows that you don't know their face, you just see people walking around in the bank in like a chase yeah. scene. Those people are some of the people protesting. You know? Yeah, and it, and it's critical because like for these people, like they're not getting paid a lot, and they need these roles to take these small steps in their career. Right. And what like what is this doing to some of these people that are having these struggles? It, it's just sad because. At the end, it, it's already hard enough to make it in Hollywood, and now we need to have this happening for these people. I feel really bad. Right. I, I, I feel really bad. Yeah, and it doesn't look like it's going to end no time soon because this this junk they're going to really both sides are really going to be entrenched in this thing. So good luck to all of the people out there fighting for positive change on everybody else's behalf. I'm just saying. So shout out to them. But moving on, yeah, it's a lot going on in the world today. Um. People, I got. We gonna go to another segment because I, this one has to be addressed. But you played yourself. It's dedicated to all the people who should have sat down and ate their food. You know, you should just sat down, shut the hell up, and not do nothing. We're looking at you, Northwestern, because I need to understand. And it's not just a Northwestern thing because this ain't the first hazing incident we've seen. Like this happened at Penn State. This happened at. Um, it's happened at. I, I, it's happened at plenty of other places. Did it happen to Iowa? Was it Iowa? No, I think Iowa just racist and fucking saying the N-word and abusing people. Whatever. But, like, different variations of this same problem have happened all over. But, my dog, y'all doing this and y'all, y'all ain't even good. You went 2-11? and 11? You went, you did all this just to go 2-11? and 11? Like, is this what we're doing? You doing it in the baseball team? What the fuck is the baseball team need to do this for? Fucking cheerleading? softball like what are we doing northwestern what are we doing this is supposed to be an institute and this is supposed to be one of the elite schools like like bottom tier ivy league like right but right a step below ivy league like northwestern oh northwestern just wonderful northwestern and just their journalism program is one of the top in america you you just hear so much about northwestern and here we go find out that people are running butt ass naked in locker rooms humping each other like a bunch of fucking what is what is going on what are we doing Big one being the football team. Like, the football team. Like, what are you doing? The, the the center being naked, and the and the guy has to take snaps from the center while he's naked. It's just like, what are we doing? Like, what 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 are we? Ten? Are we eleven years old? What are we doing? I I, I think eleven year olds have better humor than this. This yes. What what is this? What what type of homo rock? I mean, sorry. Let me not say that. What type of weird fantasies are y'all trying to live out here? Like, what, what what's going on? What are we doing? Like, you know? You, you, you were talking about writers before that. We got to shout out the school paper because it was the school. It was the school institute. Student journalism. Intern, I think it was the school journalism, you know, uh, paper program, et cetera, that they were the ones that could continue to push on this because you talk about that you played yourself. Northwestern allegedly did their own, I'm throwing up quotes as I say some of this part stuff, did their own uh, you know, investigation into this, and they found investigation. That there was nothing to worry about. Exactly, investigation. Uh, like there was nothing wrong apparently with, and like the head coach was completely unaware because you know, if I'm the head coach, 
I don't know anything about my players are doing off the court or off the field. Here's here's my thing. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. It's almost worse if you say you didn't know. Like you, you better off saying I knew exactly what the hell was going on and I take full responsibility. Fire me or or just I knew what was going on. Damn it, suck it. Like you, you you're better off saying that than to say you know what. Um, I have no idea what these kids are doing on a daily basis. What the hell do I look like? A football coach? What am I supposed to be watching these kids 24-7? Like, what are we, like you, you're better off saying that you knew what was going on. Because to say you don't know as a football coach at a Division I university that 17, 18, and 19, and 20-year-olds are stupid. Yeah. To say you just flat out like, oh, I'm just walking around blindfolded in the locker room like Stevie Wonder. Just out here just <laughs> like... You had to know. You had to know something. Like, I understand players have are scared in the silence and they don't come to you and say anything. Like, I can understand that part. But for you to just blatantly be oblivious to anything going on and you're paid, some, in some cases, some of these coaches, depending on what college you're at, you're one of the highest paid employees in the state that you're living in. Like, Dabo Sweeney. That's probably the case with Northwestern. Yeah, well, no, no, not in Chicago, no. I, uh, <laughs> no, like he might get a pass on that. But like, if this happened at Clemson, oh. and Dabo Sweeney had the nerve to come out and say, "I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know what these kids doing." That would look real bad, cause bro, you were the highest paid employee in the state. What are we paying you to do? Exactly. If if, if it worked, but it's not Clemson in this case, obviously. But like, you know, college sports in general, like college, especially college basketball and football head coaches, like. The we have seen college coaches fail in the pros for a reason because right. the environment is different because these guys live on the fact that they control their players' lives that there is a level of control they have over these young kids who I know some of them are technically making money now but for the most not part, nearly enough <laughs> yeah not a not nearly enough and b still not to the level of what their head coaches so like for you as the highest paid person within a 50 mile radius of that Easy. as a center, right? Easy. Like, let's say at that at least. You're the highest paid person. You highest paid in the, at, at bare minimum, you're the highest paid on the university. Yes. At, and, the, at the university. With, yeah. Without a doubt. And you are in charge, like you broke. I've worked at an athletic department, right? The coaches have to work with the athletic department to get these kids' schedules in check. If you're making sure that they're taking whatever English class they got to at 9 a.m. or their history class at uh, 5 p.m. so that they can be, with you at practice, you have your eyes and ears somewhere. Whether it may not be you, it's somebody on campus that is looking out for you. It's not just the head coach. He has his people that are going to, like, team managers should know this stuff. Assistant coaches should know this stuff. Other people in the department should know this stuff. Like, the fact that he is, like you said, it's almost, not almost, I think it's worse that he's saying, I was completely ignorant to this. It just makes you look like, a, at minimum, you're a terrible leader. And you've let terrible things happen. Like, and, and coaches are supposed to be great leaders. So which are you? Are you the leader that, you know, the great example that your student athletes kept saying? Because the thing that pissed me off the most was that the Northwestern guys that were trying to defend their head coach after this. It's like, yeah, you gotta shut up. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> yeah, thing. I mean, this, but this happens all the time. Like, you know, you get the players, like mainly, especially like the star guys that are like, yeah, hey, no, yeah, that shit never happened to me. You're damn right it didn't. Yeah, because it would be a bigger story if it did. You know damn well what this is. People, that's the thing with bullies. Bullies never target people that they think they can, or no, they 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 target people they think they can beat up. They don't never target nobody that they like, bro. I don't want no profit. Like bullies, they're called bullies for a reason. They attack people that are vulnerable, that have no way to defend themselves, 
whether it's mentally, physically, whatever, like yeah. that's why they attack you. They specifically okay. seek out, and that's why they were looking for young freshmen. This sounds like a Keith Jackson special. I'm looking for booty. <laughs> like that's that's what this feels like. Cause, I mean, that's essentially what was happening. But it like, it's like yo, I mean, I've played sports. I mean, at the high school level, but like I've played sports. I know what goes on in the in boys' locker rooms. Like yo, coaches got somewhat of a an idea, and especially like I said. Y'all won two games last year. What the hell were you focusing on anyway? Because it sure wasn't the football field. What else? What, what else are you spending your time doing? Are you, are you golfing? What are, what are we doing? And they, when you trouble the last couple of years, yes. <laughs> like yo, they haven't been good. Like they they had the one Big Ten run that they made. And they were lucky to make that because they were like eight and five. Wasn't that like close to the COVID season or something? That was the Dwayne Haskins year. That was the year Ohio State just dog walked them. Like so, it it it, it like. That one year, and you were eight and five, so you just got in because your division was trash. Now that they eliminated divisions, we ain't never gonna see Northwestern again, or or Illinois, or any of them. It's just gonna be Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State every year. That's that's what's gonna be going forward, unless somebody else just breaks through one season. But that being said, when you walk into a recruit's house, especially somewhere like Northwestern, you walk into a recruit's living room, and you sit down. And you tell that lie to their parents that you know what I'm here to watch your child. I'm here. He's. I'm gonna take him in like he's one of my own. If this is what you're doing to your children, Pat Fitzgerald, we may need to call Child Protective Services. Something is clearly up. Yeah. This is disgusting. This is nasty. Yeah. Utter, utter, utterly, utterly disgusting. Like it's, it's, it's the frat house is fully taking over the football team, and that's not what it's supposed to be. Right. And like we said. This is not, nor will it be the last, unfortunately, but this is definitely not the first incident we've seen like this anywhere. Like, people know what goes on in these locker rooms. Some places, it's way worse than others. Like, you don't hear shit coming out of Alabama, but I'm sure stuff happens, but I'm, you don't hear nothing like this. Like, do you think Nick Saban gonna walk in and just see his star linebacker dry humping his freshman quarterback? Like, no, that's just... I like, hope not. Beam them in the head with footballs. Beam like, them in like, the head with footballs. Like, 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 here's the thing. Isn't it funny? Like, we, we do get, like, you know, controversies at these schools, right? And even the big schools. Right. But this, we don't hear this type of stuff from the actual really good programs. Like, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, we don't hear well, this kind well, of stuff. Well, 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 Georgia, Georgia, Georgia's got... Clemson. They have a killing problem. Actually, fair enough. But, like, like this, this specific thing, like, we're just focusing on, like, hazing to this caliber. Yeah, okay. We're, we're not hearing about this at the at the good school. at the good schools. Yeah, is is it, isn't that funny? It's like, really just funny. really think about it. Isn't is like even Michigan for all the lack of winning they did for like the first four or five years of Harbaugh, and they've mainly done it the last two three years. Well, they won. They just didn't beat Ohio State. Sure. <laughs> but like not not one story about this yet, and it's nope. been long enough. It, nope. Isn't it funny that at the good schools that this stuff is handled for the most part? Because like, like I said, Nick Saban. Bro, if Nick Saban walked in and he saw that happening, he would have those guys running, begging, begging to but, get But that's the thing. It's like, bro, we all have been 18 and 19 and 20. We know dudes are knuckleheads. Like, stupid shit happens in locker rooms all the time. Like, that's not the issue. It's the the the, the level of stupidity is different at, at, at different schools. Like, yo, like you said, Alabama, I'm sure they do stupid shit in the locker room. Like, come on yeah. now. You're at Alabama, you're Teflon. Ain't nothing touching you except probably your teammate. But but like it, it it doesn't happen to this level like that we're getting people yeah. suing and, and it might just be and some of these places maybe it is happening and they're just they make so much so money for the NCAA that. that everybody's willing to just turn the other direction maybe but I mean we've seen incidents like I mean you know we we know what happened at Penn State yeah 
Well, you know, we know what happened at at at, at fucking Syracuse. Like, you know, you know, shit happens, yeah. but Maryland and stuff like that. Yeah, Maryland. Yeah, LSU, you know, yeah. No, what I, what I was thinking here is like specifically with the hazing thing. I think something that's happened with hazing is that their programs, and this even goes to the pros, where it's like, like hazing is just different now. Like you mentioned Alabama. Like does Alabama first of all, it's illegal. <laughs> Yeah, that's the big thing but like the like the kind of hazing like i i think what certain programs and certain teams like in the pros again like hazing now let's say the professional ranks it is yo rook you have to wear a door the explorer backpack for like two three days in a row like you got when you do your next press conference you got to have a like i don't i don't know like a a paw patrol shirt or something stupid you you gotta bring me lunch while carrying my football pads every day yeah, like that would that would be it. Like at the at a big school like that, it wouldn't surprise me if at Alabama, it's like, all right, freshman, you've got to carry the the pads for this for the juniors and seniors uh, out before practice today. Like stuff like that. That stuff, like I understand, that's not a big deal. But it's these schools where these guys take it to that next like extreme, right? Where it's just like it's unnecessary. At the end of the day, this cease and desist. Cease, cease and desist. And desist. Just like, stop. Dad, gone. Like. Have some common sense. You're at Northwestern. This is the yeah. top journalism program in America. You think you can do that there? <laughs> like, I, yeah, no. Saying, you can do this. You can do this somewhere else. You can't do that at a school where they are dedicated to finding shit. This Syracuse, like schools like that, where they Maryland, were built on it their was never going to work the there. <laughs> the Jordan McNary incident never was going to make it out of Maryland. They these they were going to get to the bottom of it because Maryland journalism was like that too. These schools, yep. you can't do that there. You got to go do that somewhere at like Wyoming, where don't yep. nobody give a fuck. Yeah. Well, Even to an barely, extent, barely anyone's in the state as a whole. In, as the state, they are begging people. They are paying people property. They're like, giving you forty acres in the mule to go live in Wyoming. That's how bad it is out there. In Chicago, <laughs> Chicago is a top five media market in America. If the school, if the school's journalism people don't get you. The rest of the, the fucking people. city will. The Chicago Tribune will have your ass all on the front page. Oh yeah. Like what? You, and you won two games. What are you doing? What are we doing? God, you know. But before we keep reiterating stuff, let's just move on because we're just gonna be here all night talking about Northwestern dry humping. Um. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy out here. But let's move on to something more positive. Obviously. So, first of all. You know, the SBs passed recently, which, you know, they, they were affected by the strike. They didn't have a host because you couldn't have writers and hosts. So they were affected. But there were some good things that happened. You know, a lot of, you know, LeBron obviously told us he's not retiring, which is actually kind of cool. It, we really got to kind of appreciate him while he's around still. Um, so there's that. There's other things. But one of my favorite moments was uh, DeMar Hamlin, you know, presenting the... What was it? The Courage Award, or I forgot which award it was, but it, he pre- he presented an award to the EMT team that saved his life the night of his, you know, the incident that we all saw on New Year's Day, and uh, that was a very emotional moment. And you know, shout out to everybody in that situation. Really, uh, the Pat Tillman Award first. Pat Tillman Award. There it is. Yep. Yeah, give those people their flowers, man, because that 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 was amazing. Every time I see it, it's just amazing. No matter what you look at, that's just crazy. But absolutely, and the the connection that he has to those people is going to last a very long time. And as he Probably tries forever. to continue his his NFL career, like because he's going to keep trying, right. uh, and we all hope the best for him for that. Like it, it was it was a touching moment, right? Like it was it was a moment where they went through. It was such a scary scene, and you know, like 
it, it's them doing their job, but it's them doing their job extremely well. And like, let's be real here, like eight, nine times out of 10, like something goes wrong and they were unable to do that. Like, that's just the case with medical situations like that at the end, as sad as it is to say, that is, that is the case. Um, like the fact that they were so timely with it, they were so good at it, efficient, and like he, you know, for, this would be the case for anyone if we're being real about it, but like him specifically, like he, he just feels like a humble kid. Like I, I remember when it happened, like the incident happened, uh, his found, like, I don't know if it was a foundation or just like a charity he was helping raise money for. It went through the roof, the donation number. The, the that toy got. charity. The toy charity. Like he, this is a dude that is just genuinely like good. Like it's good vibes all the time with him. Like he, he's known for like, I think before every game that like, his, if his family's there, he always goes to see him before every single game. Like he's good with interacting with the fans for everything we had read about him when everything happened. Like this is just a good human being in general. And as weird as it is to have to compliment him for that, there aren't as many pure human beings as you might think, ladies and gentlemen. Right. Like, so for, for DeMar to go through all that and he's gonna keep on fighting, for that moment to be there where he genuinely, like, it was an appreciated moment for him thanking these people and him getting to, you know, make sure they all got the recognition. Like, that, that that's one of those, like, you know, we, we talk about this and we see in comments, it's like, this is why we love sports. Like, this, these are the moments that we live for. Like, that kind of genuine human moment, that was, that was a good thing. Right. Yeah, the whole thing has been crazy, you know, and... All those dickheads that said he was a clone, fuck you. Big old middle finger to no, y'all. That, that, that was the wildest thing. time. That was the wildest time. That was such a wild time. I was like, bro, are y'all bored? Because then I also thought to myself, like, are, like all due respect, are we going to use our clone? And, like, first off, how did the NFL team get the cloning technology? Like, I, I, I mean, I figured I, if anybody I, would get it, it people, would be them. A lot of entities getting that. I, I like, I'm sorry, the NFL isn't like in my top five in terms of like entities that are going to get cloning technology. Like, it's just not. I mean, I, I would think in theory, because even considering the, the billionaires that run these teams, I mean, they, they have a lot of different side hustles, you know, right. different businesses, and some of the people that they do business with. I mean, you never know. But it's also the Pagulas. Like, this is if I'm, I'm the Pagula, second time yeah. bringing up. They're oil the second bring up. They made their money through oil. They would be the ones. True, but no, but hold on. This is and this and this is my second time I get to reference hockey on the show. This is a uh, the Pagulas are the same team where there was a Buffalo Sabre was like jersey honoring night, and the jerseys that they had there was a problem with the stitching on one of the jerseys. I think it was either a they misspelled it wrong or b like the jersey stitch was like the completely wrong logo for the team, and like this was them being involved in it. Like us, like the Pagula family, they're not batting a thousand in their sports running career because they have the success of the Bills. And then the downtrodden savers. So you know they're they're not perfect with this. Right. The whole Jack, uh, what's the guy's name? Jack Eichel. The whole situation that happened with that. That all oh, nasty Lord, work. Fuck. Nasty work. He ended up winning that title though. So shout out them. And uh, speaking of winning titles, um, special shout out to both of these next two athletes. First of all, Sabrina Ionescu. That woman is cold. She is cold yes. as hell. That woman can shoot. I am telling you what. That shoot. Don't let her be a sheriff. Like, yo, no, there are going to be no outlaws in that town. There's no broken laws in that town because, good lord, 37 points. And she only missed two shots total in that in that thing. I've never seen nothing like that. That that jump was crazy. Shout out to her, and then shout out to Carlos Alcaraz. You know, um, mainly this one's special for you because obviously he beat, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Novak Djokovic, and uh, you know, you know, being a man of what you used to call, uh I forgot, where are you from again? Well, well, me personally, I'm Albanian, but it was just like, and I'm not trying to make this like too big of a thing, but like I, 
It's fun was very, I, I, yes, I was very like deliberate with like I had a problem personally. I think most Balkans people probably had a problem with what he wrote in the camera a while back. Yeah, uh, that had to do with Kosovo. Like, so to see Djokovic lose, it, it, it brought a smile to my face. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm be real with you. When I first got the notification about the match, I'm like, oh, the Wimbledon finals today. Like, it is the, I don't really care that much about tennis. Like, not like I do like we do with like NBA, NFL, and like me with NHL. I've actually like, started to get into it more. Like, it's, it's now that I understand the game. Like, it's it's easier mm-hmm. to watch it. It's just yeah. I, like I understand it. It's just like it's it's hard for it to get into my sports radar so often. But like hey. when I saw it, I was like, oh, this. Like I, I kept up with the match because I'm like. Please, please tell me the kid wins. Please tell me the kid wins. And e- even my personal thing with it aside, a 20-year-old winning in tennis, beating Djokovic in the Wimbledon final is a thousand percent what the sport needs. Right. Because yeah. the, the new blood new blood needs to rise to the top in tennis. Yeah, that's the thing. They, tennis is going through, and, and tennis ain't the only sport. Um, football is going is going to go through it this year. NBA is probably going to go through it when LeBron leaves. Their identity crises, when, when all-time great players get older and retire and you know leave the sport and now you're kind of looking for who's going to be the next up and for tennis especially on the men's side considering the 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 top four are all like 35 36 i think two of them are gone already federer is gone and nadal is i think he's on his way out soon Uh, i think he's still kicking it's just like nadal's at a stage in his career where he's done everything he's done everything but it's also like he's still getting procedures because if it's if it's not the french open like you don't know what's going to happen with him and if he'll withdraw i think even i think last year's wimbledon he had to withdraw if i'm not mistaken due to injury so like and then andy murray is really andy murray like i want to give him props real quick we could give somebody flowers the fact that that dude has gone through like the procedures he's gone through i think with his hip if i'm not mistaken to come back and he had a really long match in one of the earlier rounds with Cespedes, who's a guy that's known for going like five sets every single goddamn time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just want to give props to Andy Murray. Like, he he had a run from like 20, I think it was like 2012 to 2016, where he was legitimately challenging those three on yeah. a very consistent basis. And he won Wimbledon twice. Like, he there was he, he's the he's the fourth of the big four, but right. he he deserves his flowers for like he he just like he did all he could with the injuries he suffered in his career right now. Right. But to, to all this point is Alcarez is next up. He's 20 years old. He's clearly, I saw him play last year in, I think it was US Open against Tiafo. And it was like, bro, that was one of the best tennis matches I've seen. That it, those, he is a prodigy. Like that dude is different. He's different. And the main thing is the funniest thing to me and this, you, you want to feel old real quick. He was born in 2003. First of all, that's how, that's how old wow. we are. We're 27 apiece. That's how old we are. But he is the first person. He he is the first person since he was born in 2003. Since he was born in 2003, the Big Four have won every. I think I think it's Wimbledon. They won every Wimbledon. Yeah. From the year he was born until he finally won it. That shit is crazy. That's wild. You as long as you've been alive, nobody has won Wimbledon. One of four guys. Yeah. That's this. Oh that's God. insane. Like that's where we're at. But Alcaraz is up next. Like he's really different. It, he can play. He's like a machine. I'm not like I watch him, and it's like obviously he's not going to win every match, obviously, because nobody does. But like he's a machine. Yeah. He he earned the number one ranking earlier in the year for a reason, and then even after he lost to Djokovic a while back, he was still ranked number one for a reason. Like, right. 
the the, the hype around him is like he, he's he's the guy because like you mentioned he's 20 like a couple of the other like really good talent like the then the other one I can think of just off the top of my head we're not gonna get too deep into it is like like but Casper Rudd out of Norway is another pretty good like guy uh, I think Rudd actually faced Alcaraz in a final I think they were the US Open final where Alcaraz won if I'm not mistaken but tennis is not my sport so I apologize if I'm incorrect but, yeah no I'm, I'm not like, like a huge it's like Rudd Rudd is another one of the guys who's like it's really good right now but he's like he's young but he's yeah. 24 years old Alcaraz is 20 20 like that this, this kid is, you mentioned it, Deb, he's next level. This, this kid is, he's expected now to be the leading guy for the next generation of tennis. He's going to be at the forefront of it, and more power to it. Like For the men's we, side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We we stand these these young players, you know, coming up and, and taking, the, taking the throne and performing like this. I want more performances out of him like this for the rest of it, because I will say this, when I was younger, even though I wasn't a big tennis fan, I, I knew the big four. Right. We all knew the big four, and we would we would watch highlights of them. Right, like you need that for the sport now. You need that next generation of guys. Like he has a chance to be that guy for this generation. Right, and he won't be for a long time because it's not like like you said he's only twenty. So it's like you starting out like this. But yeah, that being said, one final thing, we're gonna play a little game to wrap the show up. Obviously, in terms of generational talents, there is a man in baseball right now who is just clearly head and shoulders above the rest. He's probably running away with the AL MVP right now. And if he's not, people are haters. Um, Shohei Otani, he's different. He is different. I've seen this man play. He is as advertised. He's getting the Mahomes, LeBron type treatment, but he's different because maybe LeBron, maybe because NBA is a global sport as well, but like is a global thing with him. Like dude is different and he's, he's taking the game of baseball. He's making it more exciting again. It's fun to watch. We haven't seen. It's just unfortunate he plays for the Angels because it seems like every time he does something, like I've never seen so many headlines of, Shohei Otani does something that we haven't seen since women couldn't vote. But the Angels lost two to three. Like, it's it just like, bro, what, 19, oh, whatever fucking year. Like, oh, yeah. Shohei Otani, the first player since integration to do such and such. But the first Angels lose four more two. Right. He is the first player since the Ottoman Empire existed to do whatever. But the Angels find a way to lose two to four. Every time. It, every time. And so now we're getting to the point now where his name is, because he is up, another candidate event is coming because he's about to get $500 million in, in, in guaranteed money in a contract this upcoming summer. Oh, it's going to be amazing. A lot of people think the Angels should just trade him now and get whatever they can get for him. If they do that, which I think would be stupid because, yeah, nobody would pay all that. Well, somebody might pay all that for half a year rental, but... If somebody was stupid enough to do that, or even if they weren't, and he does go pan it out and go to free agency, what is the team that you would like to see him play for, or that you think he will end up playing for? Oh, so it's two different questions because first one I, is who do I, you want to see him play for? I, so this is actually an underrated team, and I predicted this team to actually finish better than what I thought most were giving them credit for in preseason. I would love, and it would probably have to be a trade because I don't know if he'd sign there long term. But I would love it if for the rest of this year, for the hell of it, the Arizona Diamondbacks got Shohei Otani. Yeah, because right now they are tied for second in the NL West with the San Francisco Giants. 
the Giants, once again, proving that just there's just no logic of trying to predict them within a season because they're way better than what they should be right now. Uh, but I think they might actually fall off this time compared to two years ago when they randomly won 100 plus games. Um, but I think the Arizona Diamondbacks, I thought I thought they were really good going into the season. I predicted them as my third team in that division going into the year. And like only because I thought the two teams above them were just so overwhelmingly good. The Dodgers are as advertised. They're the first in the NLS again. again. But the Padres, the Padres have disappointed everybody. everybody. And that Padres team, like we're, we're talking about the, the collapse of the Mets in the NL East. In the NLS, we might be seeing a similar version of that because I don't see if they miss the playoffs this year, that Padres team is going to see heads roll. First of for, all, Soto's a free agent this year as well. This free agent class, at, at least, is really top heavy. Stacked. At the top, it's stacked. Yeah. But you you have an NLS where right now, and, and the wild card hunt as well, the Diamondbacks are firmly in the wild card hunt at this moment in time. I would love it if Arizona just said, F it, let's go with the biggest swing possible and you bring the most talented guy in the sport. This is the best player in the game. Like, let's be real here. We gave Aaron Judge the MVP last season. Let's, let's be real. I know he set the AIO record, quote unquote, but if it wasn't for that, if he had fallen too short, I don't give a damn. Shohei Otani has been the best player in baseball for the last four seasons. Yeah, it's just he's, he is, is getting to like LeBron treatment where it's like, bro, we're just gonna have to give it to somebody else because we we're just gonna get fatigued of continuing to give it to him. And yeah. plus, his teams are awful every year. But baseball is the only sport where you can be on a terrible team and still be <laughs> considered the best player in the game. Because baseball is the exactly, only sport. It's so amazing. Because everyone agrees, it's like I, I think it's an individual uh, sport. That's a team sport. What's the name? There was some. There was a player on the Cincinnati Reds who did an interview recently, and, and the quote stood out to me. He he said it himself. It's like you got to have at least anywhere from four to eight guys on one team that are either bona fide all stars or at least all star caliber players. Right. Because right? baseball is different than the other sports where, like, yo, if the lineup don't line up right, like Mike Trout won't get a chance to hit a game winner. Whatever. Like it's it's really up to the lineup. Like baseball, or, or even even if you have the hitting, if your pitching is just dog water for a period of time you're screwed so right. I, I think that's what it is but this Diamondbacks team they're young they're exciting they're performing well this season again 12 games above 500 at this point tied for second in the division if if he could be traded somewhere just for at least the rest of the season to just say F it go after it I would love if the Arizona Diamondbacks would make that kind of move. now I don't think they will like you said it's going to take a lot to trade for Otani and for the year. likelihood of him signing long term I think in Arizona is very unlikely to say the very least um which is which sucks to say because I think genuinely speaking, him going to a team like that would be highly unique. But I mean, he played for the Angels uh, in the worst team in America. True. <laughs> it's like so, yo, two with, generation with, of talents, and y'all can't do shit. The worst owner. I, I I shared a video to uh to the our worst owner. Dan Snyder wasn't still currently the owner of Washington. He, what's the guy's name? Tino Tito, whatever the fuck his name is. He's horrible. Oh, the Angels over? Yeah. What is it? Artie, Artie Moreno. Artie, Artie Moreno. Moreno. That's what it was. Yeah. Artie Moreno is horrible. He's the bad. amount of shit that has happened under his way. Like. like oh, yeah. Uh, got, got, guy, they've, had a, they've had a guy die in that locker room. Uh, your vice president if... was a drug dealer who killed one of your players. You wasted even, even, Albert Pujols. You wasted Mike Trout. Now you're wasting Shohei Otani. You paid Anthony Rendon all that money, thinking he was a generational talent, and he clearly wasn't. Shout out to him though. He's he, I always got a place in my heart because he helped us win the title in 2019. But 
Like, yeah, the angels are already Marino. And then he was about to sell it, but decided, you know what? Fuck it. We we, we still got some bad stuff to do. We still got to ruin this team further. So we got to <laughs> let Otani out the building before. Team, so. I need to disillusion baseball fans a little bit more before I, I head out, basically. So it's like that that's like the case with the Angels. So I again I would love it if you went to the Diamondbacks. Realistically, I'm kinda of with you. I just I think the asking price will be way too much. Because in baseball you can't trade draft picks, basically. You right. can't you, trade, you draft gotta picks trade like farm farm prospects. Exactly. So like we we, we sometimes say the joke, you will have to trade two farms to get back anything close to what Otani is. Right. And if you're the, from the Angels side. I just don't think a team is going to... Like, we've seen teams stingy with giving up, like, the fourth best guy in their prospects. They said they want a Juan Soto-like package, and you saw what San Diego paid Washington to get him. Yeah. And it's going to be more than that. Exactly. It's going to be way more than that, because you're basically getting a two-way player in this this damn sport. So, I I think ultimately, he's going to... And it sucks, because I think he deserves postseason baseball, but I think Otani is going to have to just bite out the rest of the season... With, as an angel, and then he's just gonna have to hit the open market. And where he's gonna go on free agency? I mean, see, here's the thing: everyone is saying the Yankees and Dodgers. But, I keep saying, I keep seeing Dodgers. I don't think he'll be right. there. But am I the only like? I do not see him it going to New York because, because bro, Baby Steinbrenner. I just call him Baby Steinbrenner because I don't care enough to remember his okay. exact first name. Is it George Junior? No, it's Hal. Oh, is it? Oh, whatever. There's a but, bunch well, of random uh, white names. George, how? Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Um, but, like, maybe Steinbrenner has shown it, it took them getting their arm twisted by Aaron Judge for them to finally pay a superstar. Not even Aaron Judge. Like, Steve Cohen. Legend. He saw across town Steve Cohen was paying boatloads of money to people, and he's like, you know what? I am not going to be outbid by that piece of shit over there. The, the fucking mess? No. And, and so he paid Aaron Judge, which was probably exactly. stupid in himself, but that's just me. And and I just like it, it. It took that arm twisting for that to finally happen. Because he's not about to. He was really about to let him walk out the building and go to San. He was. He was. It, it was literally the final phone call they had before everything was official right. that they finally figured it out. Because right. a lot of people trolled that uh, person. I, I forget what the reporter's name from off the top of my head. But they trolled someone for basically saying that judge to the Giants was like going to happen when he ended up going to the Yankees, like, people don't understand. It was that, that was one of the few times where it literally was a final phone call to decide what the fate was going to be. And it, it was that that made it possible. Now, you have, like, I, I just don't see the Yankees, because you said it, and I'm, I'm with you. He, Otani and Soto are both, should be getting easily north for four, 400, 450 mil. Close to, if not 500, exactly. Yeah, the Nationals are just too damn cheap. I, yeah, I don't pay Strasburg and his bum arm, but you can't pay Soto. Like this is it. anyway. Give me. An I, like, I, I I don't see with Otani. I don't know if the Yankees are going to be the team to give him the five hundred mil. Can, can they, it, realistically, could theoretically any of these teams do it? For the most part, yes. Somebody will. Yes, they can Somebody will. But the, the the top ten to twelve teams in the league in terms of market, they can do it. Hell, technically the Angels could do it if we're being realistic, but. At the same time, like, how willing are they? Like, I don't think baby, little baby Hal style Steinbrenner, I don't think he's going to do it. I think him and Cashman have been very stingy with the contracts in they their have. entire tenure in New York. Exactly. And I, I don't see them doing it for all time. I just don't. I, like, I, I would be shocked. They, I learn, they, shocked. Learn, like, from, they learn from from Papa George over there. Like, 
Hell no, we do not pay. We send spies to go spy on you and collect dirt on you and get suspended from the team. That's what we do here in New York. Especially because that's also already a team that has two, three hundred million dollar players on the roster. Right. right. One one of them's 30. You're going to pay two people north of 25, 300, 400, 500 million dollars? Hell no, absolutely not. No. It won't even matter. His age won't even matter per se, but he's 28, Judge is 30. Both, you're going to be paying 800 billion dollars, well, not billion, 800 million dollars between the two of them, close to a billion for the for two and, players, and, and just to what? keep losing and, to and, the Astros. And Garrett Cole makes it over a billion with his contract, so it's like... You paying a billion dollars to keep losing to the Astros? Is that what we're going to do here? That's what we're doing? <laughs> or, just, or, or who is it going to be this year? The Braves? Or no, 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 the AL, the AL. So who's going to be the, the, the Rays, the, 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 Rangers. the Orioles? Are the Orioles going to get you? The team that you beat the brains out of for the last 10 years and now they're going to pay you back by beating you in the postseason? Is that what's going to happen? Oh, wouldn't that suck? I would, oh, no, that would yeah. be awesome. I would love that. I mean, from, from a Yankees fan perspective, that would be super <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, I like seeing Yankees fans suffer. It's, it's just... Fair enough. It's but great. yeah, like, I just, I don't, I don't think Otani plays for the Yankees. I just, I don't see them giving out that money. Right. I don't know. What do you think? Because you mentioned the Dodgers. No, no, no. I, the Dodgers is who other people mentioned. I don't think he's going to. Here's a team, and here's an underrated team. It's, it's, it's somewhat underrated, but I, th- I think it would be a perfect fit both on and off the field. The San Francisco Giants. Because, first of all, they had Barry Bonds in the building. Yeah. They've seen what greatness looks like. I don't give a damn if he was on steroids or not. I don't give a damn. That man hit 60 or 70 homers. Because, look, steroids don't help you see the ball. You got to see 73 balls come your way and hit them bitches. Like, uh, he, he, he was also already hitting 50 home runs and he was hitting steroids. Exactly. You know, he was a Hall of Famer before he got it. But anyway, so Barry Bonds, you know, San Francisco's used to greatness. They, they had Barry Bonds. They won three titles in the 2010s. Like, this is a good organization. Those fans have been through the ringer. They had Aaron yeah. Judge and then he left. Carlos Correa come in here and then he failed three physicals and then he left. You know, that was all in one summer. Like, Shohei Otani. First of all, the other thing, too, the Japanese community in the Bay Area is a cultural fit. Like, he, he could go to San Francisco and fit in culturally, easily. And then on the field, like, who are they paying right now? Who, who's in there? Like, they're, they're, they're cobblestoning together, what was it, like, the 50, I don't know how many wins they have this year, but they're somehow still in the pennant. They're still in the playoff race. Put Shohei Otani in San Francisco. And this was a year where they were supposed to, like, I thought they were going to struggle at least, and yet they're tied for second in the division with, with the Diamondbacks. They do they're, they're, up, they're, up, they're, above the, they're above the Padres, which the Padres are. The God, That's Padres a cluster are, fuck. They are horrible. And it's so disappointing because I had them winning the World Series. Um, But, yeah, and then plus the manager's really good. Kapler, he's a good manager. Like, yeah. Otani, man, the Giants, I feel like, should be – is where he should go. Like, and, and who knows? They might throw a bag out because they they tried the judge and just didn't pan out. They tried with Correa and just didn't pan out. They tried twice. Like you mentioned in the summer, basically in a span of like three weeks, all that stuff happened. Right. They had judge, they lost him, and then they had Correa, and they just pulled the contract because of all the physical stuff. Like right. in a span of three weeks, they had at at various points in time in their roster two, three hundred plus million dollar players. I think they could be willing to one of which is a two time champion. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, 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 and like you time. mentioned, they're not really paying anyone right now no, no. that yeah. is high value. 
like 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 there there's some talented guys like i think the young catcher that they've had that's replacing buster posey is good his name is escaping off the top of my head which just pissed me off because i i know who it is um but like there's that the the pitching core is like good it's relatively they fine. had Rodon for a while crazy. but then they let him go to new york yeah, they let him go. They had Kevin Gossman, but like it was a whole deal that they let they let Gossman go to bring in Rodon, and then Rodon left, and they really bring a guy like you bring in Otani. He he is both the ace of that staff and also a forty home run player for that team. Yes, but and 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 being that he's Japanese and there's a lot of Japanese people in in the Bay Area, like San Francisco specifically, because not as much as Oakland, but like San Francisco, like yeah, that's a perfect fit culturally. And on the field, like it's perfect, and they have the money. I know they have, like you said, they're not paying anybody. Like so, yeah. Now, where do I think he goes? I don't really know. <laughs> it's like we're gonna find out. But I, I, I honestly, yeah. I'm willing. I'm willing to say that if you're a Giants pick, I think that could be a strong contender. He could go there. Yeah, I'm like, yo, he really could go there. Like, I don't see him going to either New York team. Yeah, oh, definitely. Well, the Mets are, according to rumors, this is a big MLB podcast, but like. According to rumors, like Steve Cohen might start breaking up with that team a little bit this summer. And yeah, because so Alonzo's I, I don't think, a free agent. I don't think he's bringing in money. Yeah, Alonzo's a free agent, but it's like, bro, you're paying old ass Verlander and Scherzer. You could get Otani and get both of them up out of here. Like, so we're gonna see what they do. But they they, they talk about they still might try to. But I think the Giants. I think he's gonna stay in the state of California, whether it's the Dodgers or Giants. But yeah. With that being said, we have reached the end of a fantastic episode. Uh, Martin couldn't make it this week, but we're going to get him on next episode. But shout out to Jurgen for coming through. You know, this is the first time, you know, and plug your podcast because I know you talk about it. So plug yours. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I, I, I host, I co-host two podcasts actually uh, with some close friends of mine. There's one podcast I do, you can find on YouTube and Spotify. It's the Somewhat Sports Podcast. So the word somewhat, space, and then sports. Uh, we only talk sports there. The somewhat part is just because it's a catchy title, you know. Right. Um, but we, I do that with uh, two good friends of mine, Chris and Dame. Well, uh, Dame's a Yankees fan, funny enough. So you know, he, if he ever, if, when he hears this, uh, it's just going to break his heart. It's going to break his heart. It's going to break his heart. Chris is a Mets fan, actually. So you know, just all kinds of pain. We're just breaking all. I hate the Mets personally as a Nationals fan. So like, I I find joy in the way that they're struggling this year. So so Dev is enjoying the pain of two thirds of my uh, compatriots there. Yeah. And then another podcast I do uh, live on the weekends. Uh, with two old co-workers of mine actually uh, is the Sports Agents of Chaos podcast where we just like we mainly talk NFL there uh, other sports reach in from like very small minuscule thing it's mainly just football uh, but we just have a ball of time to say the very least and as the name entails chaos we do a lot of like little funny wacky stuff like side like when we go on tangents it's the randomest but the funniest thing in the world I do that with two other close friends as well like it's just fun times on those two podcasts that's only on YouTube uh, and goes live on the weekends, but you could, of course, watch it back on YouTube as well. So, somewhat sports and the sports agents of chaos. If you want to hear my voice again, for some reason, I, if you do, thank you. <laughs> right. But yeah, play by play analysis podcast. It's your boy Devin Ashby. SK play by play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. We've been in here damn near two hours, so we're gonna let y'all go to sleep. Go to sleep. Get y'all asses to go, go to bed. But yeah, <laughs> we'll see y'all when we see y'all. Deuces. <laughs>